international students, um, and I've been there since 2015. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really good to be here uh, this morning to proclaim God's word to you, because uh, this is the best news that I, I have to give you, uh, and the best news that we could offer any, anyone uh, in, in life at all. So let's flip open to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Listen closely because this is what God has to say to you this morning. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when, he, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is the word of the Lord. Praise to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For the last six years, I have been able to be a father. I have two boys, uh, Charlie and Hudson. The oldest is six, and the youngest is three. And um, one of those phrases that I hear every day is, Daddy, look at me, or Daddy, watch this. And, and, you know, my oldest, he is learning new things every day. He's in first grade. Uh, and he, last year, learned how to, like, write his name and his, his address and our phone numbers. He learned how to memorize all of that. And, uh, and when there's something that he memorizes and, and can do that surprises himself and, and maybe even us, he will make sure to say, Daddy, watch this. And this summer, that included, Daddy, watch this cannonball. Uh, Daddy, look how high I can swing. Uh, as he says that all the time in our backyard on our swing set. Daddy, watch how fast I can run. Our boys just love to run, so they're just constantly in our house. Just look how fast I can fly in this house. Jesus wasn't really the type that would perform a miracle and be like, Hey guys, watch this. Look what I can do. There's uh, a chapter just ahead, Mark 7, where he heals a deaf man, and he strictly tells him to tell no one about what he's done. And in a chapter later in Mark 8, uh, Peter confesses that he is the Christ. And so Jesus, again, tells his disciples not to tell anyone. But we have an instance here where Jesus is using a phrase and he's using a phrase in a way where he wants us to look at him, and he wants his disciples to look at him, and not just see the things that he's doing, 
but to see who he really is. So in the midst of this great windstorm that has come upon his disciples in the middle of this lake, uh, Jesus says to them, take heart, it is I. And the part of this response that is, is shocking is the it is I part. Because this is, in the Greek, very similar in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, in the ways that God reveals himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. So Exodus chapter 3, when Moses says, When I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God says, I am who I am, which translate Yahweh. And so this is, this is Jesus' phrase in, in identifying himself with the God of the Old Testament that has revealed himself to the people of Israel. And so, of course, the disciples are freaking out in the middle of this lake, rightly so. And Jesus is saying to them, take heart, it is I, Yahweh, the great I am, is here with you. Don't focus on the things that I've done, the ways that I've multiplied bread and fish to feed thousands. Don't focus on the miracles, focus on, on me. And I think this is perfect for us today because... There are constantly things in life that we all face that, that just throw us, that shake us, that rock us to our core. Maybe it's the health of a loved one, the, our own health, finances in trouble. There are things that shake us and cause us to ask ourselves, what, how am I going to respond the next time this happens? What am I going to look to for comfort and security when the next thing hits me? And this passage shows us three reasons why it's important for us to look at Jesus and why he offers rest and assurance in times of chaos. And so he highlights things about himself that we can find rest and security in. And so first, Jesus is saying that he is Yahweh, the God who has authority over all things, your life, over creation, all of it. So let's look at verses 45 through 47. Again, it says, Immediately he came, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea. And he was alone on the land. One of the most important truths that we can, we can dwell on daily, as, especially as we come to this passage, is that Jesus sends his disciples into the boat knowing what they're about to encounter. Jesus sends them ahead on their own knowing what is about to happen to them on this boat. And I want y'all to listen to what Isaiah says about who Yahweh is. In Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 through 7. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. 
I am the Lord who does all these things. That literally says, I, Yahweh, do all of these things. This passage offers us comfort in that even though we are not the ones in control of our life, and there are daily things that, that we encounter that remind us of that, God uses these things, God does things that humanity can't fathom of doing for his own purpose. So when you come across the next time where someone tells you that they're, and you're maybe in your family, they're sick, maybe terminally ill, maybe if you were to lose your job, maybe if, if your retirement account gets emptied, maybe half wiped out, where are you going to find rest? Where are you going to find out that things, while they're in turmoil, that things are actually okay because someone is in control over things that are happening? I remember um, a couple of months after the pandemic uh, hit, you know, we were, when we were all at home doing things online, um, there was this video that I, I, I just found funny on YouTube, and it was of... Um, this, this girl named Julie, how Julie uh, had a meeting. This is, she's basically kind of making like this scenario where she encounters like uh, a COVID Julie is talking to someone who's, you know, gone, not gone through COVID Julie, pre-COVID Julie. And so pre-COVID Julie is sitting down at a table and then all of a sudden post-COVID Julie shows up sitting there and post-COVID, Julie offers the typical, hey, yeah, I'm from the future. Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? And she can't, you know, disclose everything that's about to happen. But she gives kind of, post-COVID, Julie gives some tips and tricks on how to get through COVID uh, to get her ready. And she says, you're going to want to pull all of your money out of stocks. You're going to want to put that money in, in Zoom. And you're, you're going to want to find some new hobbies that you could do at home because you're about to be really bored. And she was like, you know how you've been wanting that dog that you've been wanting for a long time? Get that dog. And then, like, Julie, who has not experienced COVID yet, is, like, laughing because she's like, you know, I, this all seems ridiculous. Why would I invest in Zoom? Like, no one's using that. Why would I get a dog? I have so much travel this coming year that I'm going to be doing. Don't you know I'm way too busy to, to find new hobbies and get this dog? And, you know, at that point, I just started dying laughing watching this video because the Julie who hasn't gone through COVID yet doesn't know what's about to come, doesn't know what's about to hit her, doesn't know that she's about to be faced with something that is going to remind her that she is not in control. There's nothing wrong with obviously making plans, putting money into retirement accounts, envisioning what your future is going to be like. But how do you feel when you don't get the things that you want? I can't tell you how many times that my wife and I in the last two years have planned an activity or a getaway and those things did not come. We, I think we are uh, almost going to celebrate 12 years in our anniversary, and we're, we still need to take that 10-year anniversary trip that didn't get to happen a year and a half ago. But moments like this 
are causing us, need to cause us to look to Jesus because he has authority over the windstorms of our lives. And one of the questions that I had when I came to this passage is why did Jesus feel that it was necessary for him to walk on water? That's impressive, but he's already, two chapters before this, calmed the storm from the boat when he was sleeping, and they thought, that his disciples thought, no, he, Jesus doesn't care that we're about to perish, doesn't he care? And they wake him up, and he calms the storm. He didn't walk on the water then. Couldn't he have just gotten in a boat and just gone out to them? Why walk on water? Which leads me to my second point. Jesus is showing that he is the I am, Yahweh, the God who walks on water to reveal his glory. To reveal his glory. And when you think of water in scripture, there are moments where water kind of creates chaos, both for the people of Israel, um, when we see them in the flood because of their sin, and we see water being chaos for people outside of Israel in the very next book after Genesis, Exodus, through the flood, or not the flood, you know, the, the ways in which the, the seas kind of uh, destroyed the Egyptian armies that were chasing after the people of Israel. And here again, we see a moment where water is causing uh, chaos. I'm going to pick up at verse 48. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. And that's between like 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Walking on the sea. And in Job 9, it says that Yahweh is the one who removes mountains, who shakes them from its, its places who overturns them in his anger, who causes the sun to rise, who puts the stars into, in the sky, and also that Yahweh is the one who tramples the waves of the sea. It is the exclusive prerogative of Yahweh to trample the waves of the sea, to walk on the waters. And he does this to, to show his power and his magnificence, and so no doubt Jesus is, is doing this because he is, again, associating himself with Yahweh. In another way, he reveals his glory is by passing by them, it says. In verse 48, he meant to pass by them. Does anybody know who the freeze is? When I say the freeze, yeah, so the guy who, who races uh, any, you know, anybody that wants to challenge him in a race at the Brave Stadium— um, he usually gives everybody a head start and yet somehow still manages to pass by them and smoke them in a race on the, you know, the outfield track from foul pole to foul pole. So in, in one sense, we might be thinking maybe Jesus is trying to like just smoke them to Bethsaida, just pass by them. And he's like, oh great, I've got to take care of these people that need my help. Or it could be that he just meant to pass by them without being seen. But I don't think that's what's happening. I don't think that is what's happening here. Because this phrase, pass by, is used with special force to signify or signal a rare self-revelation of God. 
in Exodus 34, it is said that the Lord passed by Moses, passed by Moses in order to reveal his name in compassion. In 1 Kings 19, the Lord revealed his presence to Elijah in passing by them, by him. So here's the thought of the text. Jesus meant to pass by them as he's walking on the waves, trampling the waves of the sea to reveal his glory as Yahweh. But they didn't recognize him as Yahweh, and they were terrified. So he was making the mysterious transcendent God visible in a way that could not and had not yet been done, passing by them to show that he is Yahweh that has compassion for them. And the last point I want to lead you to, it says that, um, number three, Jesus is saying that he is the I am, the Yahweh, the God who knows you and rescues you. Who knows you and rescues you. Again, verse 48 says, He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And so that phrase, the wind was, you know, making headway painfully just means that they were going in a direction that they did not want to go, the opposite direction. And I've been able to share this morning with a few of you that I'm from Savannah. It's where I was born, spent the first 18 years of my life before I went to college. And one of the perks of living in Savannah uh, was the beach just 30 minutes away from where I grew up. And um, me and my family, every summer, you know, we would go to the beach quite often. And we would always go to the beach around the pier. And the pier was in, located directly in the middle of the island. So we weren't near Savannah River, and we weren't near Savannah Creek. We were right in the middle. And so one time in high school, I was in high school, probably like a junior or a senior, I went to the beach with one of my closest best friends, with him and his family. They didn't go to the middle of the island. They went towards the south end near Savannah Creek. And, and so I remember this one time we went, and we were having fun swimming in the ocean. And I look up, and I realize, oh, no, I'm a little bit too far from, like, the land. I need to start swimming back because this could, this could get dicey if I don't start doing that. And so I just, you know, I'm doggy paddling at first, just like, oh, this is going to be easy to get back. And I realized I'm a little bit further away than where I wanted to be. And so I just try to turn into Michael Phelps. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get back. And I'd, I'm like, okay, surely I am close now. And I lift my head up, and I'm tired, and I'm in the same place where I was when I started trying to, like, turn into Michael Phelps. Long story short, I got caught in a rip current that was pulling me out into the ocean that eventually would have kind of took me into the creek. And they, there were people on the beach that saw what was happening, and they made, like, this human arm, like, link chain to come out and get me. Um, you know, really kind of terrifying to my mom who was not there, but her word had what, like, what happened. And I come home, and I realized how big of a deal it was because she was just crying when I got home. And I was just like, oh, I guess that really was serious. <laughs> um, 
there was nothing that I could do to save myself in that moment. There was nothing that I could do because I was just utterly helpless. And the first thing that Jesus, we see Jesus doing in verse 48, it says he saw them struggling against this wind, struggling in this storm. And he knew what was happening, happening in their hearts. He knew they thought their boat was likely going to, you know, get flipped over. And likewise, he knows what's happening in your life, the struggles that you're going through, the chaos that you're encountering. He knows what you're helpless to. He knows what's, what's going on at home. He knows what's going on at work with your finances, how you feel about all of it, the things that keep you up in the middle of the night, things that have you anxious constantly throughout the day. Jesus sees them, and he goes out to them. So let's read again. I'm going to fly through verses 48 through 52 just so that we can remember. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So Jesus, instead of calming the water, the wind from the land, he goes out to them. He goes in, he literally goes into the windstorm to do that. And it stops as soon as he steps into the boat. And so this is a small snapshot of what Jesus will do with your sin. He will step into your sin, the storm of your sin. The fact that we are all utterly helpless, separated from God. We have nothing to offer except our sin. We're worse than making headway painfully, going against the wind. We, sin is like a cement block tied, tying us down, sinking us into the ocean. So he will take on the wrath that our sin deserves. And just as he promises, he will be delivered over, he will suffer, will be rejected, and will be killed, taking on the punishment of our sin, but will raise from the dead, giving us complete access to God. Jesus isn't merely satisfied with bringing peace to our lives and peace to different chaotic situations that we're in. He is more concerned with bringing us a peaceful relationship with God. So how else does he rescue us? He rescues us from our unbelief. In the very last verse, it says that uh, the disciples' hearts were hardened. And I don't know about you, but, you know, throughout my life, and especially in the last couple of years, I've noticed at times when my heart has been hardened. Struggling to believe. Struggling to remember God's faithfulness. Struggling to remember that God is sovereign over even the hard things that are happening in my life. That God is the one trying to reveal his glory through it. 
And there are other places in Scripture where, quote-unquote, outsiders are the ones that are hardened. Pharaoh being hardened. Pharisees being hardened to Jesus' teachings and miracles. But here, it's the insiders. Jesus' own disciples. So we have to remember that faith is not an inevitable result of knowing about Jesus or even being with Jesus. Faith is not something that happens automatically and just evolves over time. During COVID, uh, I guess three weeks into, or three months into COVID, around July 4th, I remembered there was a week, I'm a pastor for international students, and there was a week where there was this uh, policy that was put on hold that would allow international students to be here. Um, essentially, international students have to be taking in-person classes in order to be here. But if all these campuses were closing and everything was virtual, that policy didn't matter for them. They had to go back. And they were constantly, students being re like sent back home because of this policy. And I thought, God, what are you doing? Like, I'm not going to have a job next year because there will be no international students here. Because if everything's going virtual, there will be no students coming. There will be no students allowed to stay here. And so I was really mad at God. I was mad that week. It was my vacation week, and there I was just mad. And I get an email and a text and a Facebook message from a student all on July 5th, on the same day, within like an hour, from a student that had graduated five years prior, who's a, a Chinese student. And she said, Tracy, I think I'm a Christian. I believe in the gospel. Where can I get baptized? And I just was like, God, you do know what you're doing. Of course you do. And I, I just, I, I was so dumbfounded with my lack of, of, of understanding, obviously, at how God could use the pandemic to bring glory to himself. And I asked this, this Chinese student, what happened? Why did you all of a sudden believe in the gospel? And she said, well, the Lord really used the pandemic to remind me that I am not in control of my life. And he's put the words of the gospel that I have heard over the last seven years during undergrad and grad school to bring me comfort in this time. And that student is now a, a Christian in a church over in California. She told me about her conversion that week. She told another friend about her conversion that week. And her friend said to her, Jesus was, was really chasing you. And Jesus is chasing us. Jesus wants us, in the middle of our windstorms, in the middle of our chaos that we're experiencing that, that cause us to look away from him, to look to him. To remember that he is the one that has authority over all things and that he's using these things to reveal his glory to us and what he's done in offering us the gospel, the good news that Jesus dies for sinners dies so that we can have access to God, dies so that we might have faith, so that we might rest, rest in his relentless rescuing compassion 
for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for just this snapshot of of how Jesus enters into this storm and rescues his disciples from it. Lord, they don't understand. Their hearts are hardened. And if we're honest, times in times we don't understand and our hearts are hardened of what you're doing. But Lord, thank you that you are abounding in love and steadfast and faithful to your people. And so Lord, help us to dwell deeply and to live in Christ and the good news that he offers us in his shed blood. Lord, thank you that we have rest and assurance in this, Lord. Help us to abide in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.